Amen. Just a tad bit quieter, huh? Just a little bit. Have your Bibles. Uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter number six. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter number six. We'll begin in prayer. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, and we thank you, Lord, for the privilege, Lord, of uh, being in your presence, for the privilege, Lord, of being able to, to read your word, to receive instruction on how we ought to live our lives, how we are to conduct ourselves. Father, I really pray this morning that you would give us an attentive heart and an attentive ear. Uh, dear God, I pray that you would help us, Lord God, to focus in. And hear your voice this morning as the Spirit of God is speaking. Father God, I come against the spirit of confusion right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father God, that there would be a spirit of peace that would just uh, engulf this place right now. And I pray, Lord God, that we would all hear your voice. For, Lord God, we desire to hear a word from heaven because we want to be more like your son. We want to represent you, Lord, as you ought to be represented. And so I pray, Father God, for a fresh anointing and for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit as we continue on in the journey of our walk of faith. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in reading in verse number 7 of Matthew chapter number 6. And this is Jesus speaking. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words so do not be like them for your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask him pray then in this way our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. Help us, Lord, as we study. This is the third part of our series, Developing a Godly Character is what we've been talking about. Last week we talked about uh, integrity. The week before we talked about humility. Today we're going to be talking about, I think, another important key in developing a godly character, and that is the issue of forgiveness. All of us get excited about God's forgiveness. When we recognize when, you, when we really get a revelation of all that God has forgiven us for. When we truly understand what kind of people we are, and then we match that up against the fact that God has forgiven us, it makes us very, very excited. It's very liberating to know that in spite of myself, as wretched as I am, 
that God still loves me enough to forgive me of all of my transgressions, past, present, and future. Because I don't know about you, but every now and then, I mess up sometimes. Uh, none of us have a corner on this thing. Nobody as, as religious and as godly as we like to think ourselves, we all stumble from time to time. And all of us at some point or time in our life find ourselves having to run back to God and request God's forgiveness. And I don't know about you, but it's good to know there's a confidence that comes in my life when I know that when I blow it, I can get on my knees and I can go to God and I can say, Father, forgive me. And God is right there to forgive us and to restore us, as he says, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I think sometimes that many of us, we have a tendency to take forgiveness or to treat forgiveness as if it is an option as it relates to how we relate to other people. Somewhere along the line, you're going to find that people are going to say and do things that's not going to make you happy. I've known people that say to me, they say, well, you know, Pastor, I, I just would never ever forgive that person for what they did to me. But yet I see that same person raising their hands in church. I see them praising God. And, and yet they look at forgiveness as it, like it's an option. And the thing that we must recognize about forgiveness is forgiveness is not an option. It is a command by God. In fact, unforgiveness could be looked at this way, that it's a sin against God. Why is unforgiveness a sin against God? Because we refuse to do what he requires for us to do. And so I've heard people say, well, I'll forgive, but I'll only forgive but this far. So there are some things that we all, if we, if, if, if we really search our hearts, there are some things that we will struggle with forgiving people for. And I think that when we find ourselves in a place where we make a decision that, well, I will not forgive this person for what they have done to me, and I understand that sometimes those things can be bad, then we put ourselves in a position whereby the heaven becomes brass and God does not hear us when we call on him. Because, and I'll show you from the scriptures here in a moment. Well, we say, well, pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Pastor, you don't, you don't understand what brother so-and-so did. You don't understand what my father did to me. You don't understand what my mother did to me. You, you don't understand, Patty. You, you have no clue. Well, it's, it's not what I understand. It's what God understands. And God looked down from the court from, from the beginning of time all the way into the future, and he said, forgive. Now, he did not say, forgive if the person responds the way that they're supposed to respond. He did not say, forgive if the individual does everything that they're supposed to do. Because how many know that a lot of times you're waiting on somebody to do something that they're supposed to do and you think they ought to do? A lot of times they won't do it. But he tells us to forgive, period. And so we're to be people that forgive in spite of how other people 
respond. I can think of so many people's lives that are destroyed and unfruitful because of an unforgiving spirit. A spirit of unforgiveness will destroy your life most of all. I was thinking, I don't know if you recall this, but some, some years ago I was listening to, how many of you listen to James Dobson, Focus on the Family? I listened to him and he was, had this lady on and she was raped by a man. Very tragic situation. And this lady found it in herself to go to the prison to sit down and have a conversation with the person that raped her. She looked that rapist in the eye and she said, I love you, Jesus loves you, and I forgive you. You're talking about power. How many know only the grace of God can allow you to do that? But, under, but, but, but you see, the Bible says that we're the light of the world. Think about it this way. If we operate it in that same kind of way, which we are expected, the Bible says to forgive us, we ask, to, we ask Jesus to forgive us of our debts as we forgive others who transgress against us. So God expects us to forgive. We're called to be people that forgive. Oh, well, you don't understand. It doesn't really matter. He calls us to forgive. According to Webster, and I studied this word in the Greek, and I looked at it in Webster, and it both mean the same things, but I think the Webster articulates it a little bit better. And uh, I really believe Webster was a believer. I always say that, but I think Webster had to have been a Christian because a lot of his definitions are Christ-like. But he says, here's what forgiveness, uh, forgive means. Forgive is to give up resentment against, watch this, or the desire to punish. To stop being angry with. To pardon. To give up all claim to punish or exact penalty. It is to overlook to cancel or to remit a debt. And unfortunately, we got too many Christians that feel comfortable sometimes with not forgiving other people. But when you truly forgive somebody, you, 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 you relinquish it. You, you, you don't hold any resentment. I'm free. I'm free. When I see your brother or sister, I'm free. I'm not running. I'm not ducking. I'm not hiding. You know why? Because my spirit, I'm completely free. I have released that. To God. Thereby, I allow myself to be in a position whereby God can use me. And so, you may say, maybe you're harboring some unforgiveness this morning. Maybe, there, maybe there's somebody in your life. And I want everybody to thank you for a moment because we all have encounters and relationships with people that we can think back and say, you know what? Ah. This, this word is just for you this morning. If, you, if you're sitting here right now and if something comes to mind, then I want to challenge you this morning to deal with it. Don't run away from it. Say today to Lord, I am going to forgive this individual for what they did to me. Turn with me to Genesis chapter number 45. We all know the story of Joseph, one of the People in the Bible that was a man of integrity. I believe that Genesis chapter 4 to 5 is probably 
as it relates to forgiveness, the most powerful scripture in the entire Bible. Because here's a man, if there was any, if there was anybody that ever had a reason to not forgive somebody, how many of you might think it might be Joseph? Joseph was a man who was sown. He just loved his brothers. He was a younger brother. How many know younger brothers just like to hang out with their older brothers sometimes? They just want to hang out and here he just want to go and see his brothers and see how they're doing. And when they see their brother Joseph, they said, look, here come this dreamer. They had so much anger, so much jealousy over this man that they threw their own brother into the pit, sold him into slavery. And through a series of events, challenges and difficulties, Joseph ends up becoming the second of all of Egypt in command, the, the, the prime minister of all of Egypt. And so there's a famine that dwells, that, that develops over the, all the lands, and, and God had given Joseph revelation. How many know when you walk with God, he'd give you revelation? God told Joseph, said, said look, it's going to be seven years of famine. You need to store up for seven years because the famine is going to come. And so God set this thing up that all the people had to come to Joseph. They had to come to Egypt in order to get replenished. And guess who had to come also? His brothers he hadn't seen for 20 plus years and his father and all and everybody else came to Joseph. So Joseph now, his, his brothers and everybody, they come back. Uh, you know, they come to Egypt looking for food. Joseph recognized them right away, but they don't know Joseph yet because there's been some years, some time has, has transpired. And Joseph now in Genesis chapter 45, he's going to reveal himself to his brothers. Now, I want you to, I just want you to just read this scripture with me. And I want you to, I, I just want you to see the power in this verse, this passage of scripture as it relates to forgiveness. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. It is, is my father still alive. Keep in mind, he hasn't seen his father. His father Joseph and his father was very close to each other. But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you. Listen to this. God sent me before you to preserve life for, for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and, and Lord over all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry up. Go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen. Your, 
you shall be near me and you and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And there I will be also, there I will also provide for you. For there are still five years of famine to come. Look at verse 12. Behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin. See that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Verse 14. Then he fell on his brother's Benjamin neck. He wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them. Afterwards, his brothers talked with him. Now, a couple of points I want to make with regard to this. First point is that Joseph forgave in spite of his hurt. How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody? Right? You keep living, you're going to be hurt by somebody. Could you imagine your own flesh and blood, your own brothers sell you away, throw you into a pit, take you from everything that you're comfortable with. I mean, take you from your father, your, your relatives, your friend, turn this man's life completely upside down. You know, if that was one of us, what would we do? If that was us and our brothers came to us, you know, let's be honest. We'd be tempted to say, oh, you're going to come up here. You want something now. You know what you did to me, though. How dare you throw him into prison? And then we'll say, bless God. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Joseph, he sees his brothers. Now, I'm sure that Joseph had moments of time in his life where he cried, where he was hurting, could not understand how his brothers could do such a thing to me. How, I mean, I'm sure he had his moments, but somewhere in there, Joseph released that thing up to God. You know, some things you just got to release to God. You just have to give it away to God. Say, say God, God, take this. Because there's no way that Joseph could have did what he did here without releasing this thing to God and saying, okay, God, I'm a dead man. You see, one of the things about Christianity is you, you, you get that this, this is kind of deep. It might take you a little bit to get it, but watch. You cannot offend or hurt a dead man. Are you with me? When you come to Christ, you die. You die to yourself. Well, what, what they did, well, you don't matter at this point. Now, this is a deep word. But Jesus says, if any man come after me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. So what that simply means is that I died to myself so that the life of Christ may be manifest in my body. So then, the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me. So then, you cannot offend me. You cannot hurt a dead man because I gave my life to Christ. It's not my own anymore. See, that's deep. That's deep. Joseph forgave in spite of his hurt. Secondly, Joseph demonstrated his forgiveness. You know, true forgiveness is demonstrated. Well, this is a favorite thing that we like to do. Well, I will forgive you, but I don't want to see your face. I forgive you, but I want nothing to do with you. I forgive you, but don't you call me if you need anything. Now, let me ask you a question. Like the way those, you see those little bands that people wear? WWJD? <laughs> Do you think Jesus would respond like that? 
True forgiveness is demonstrated. How did Joseph demonstrate his forgiveness? He says, he says look, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to take care of all of you. <laughs> he said, look, I'm going to give you food. I'm going to prepare for you. In fact, I want you to go back, get my daddy, get every, all my family members, my cousins, my uncles, get everybody. Bring them on back here. I'm going to take care of all of you because you got to understand that God was the one that sent me before you. Secondly, he kissed him. He embraced him. And he loved him. In spite of what they did to him. 20 plus years, they made his father think that he was a dead man. Can you think of anything more heinous? Could you think, I mean, how could you come to that place? That's why Joseph was such a man of integrity. See, Joseph forgave because he saw God in the plan. You see, here's, here's the thing that we got to understand about this thing. Joseph had an, an eternal perspective. Joseph knew, and he realized at some point, because he knew that his elevation, watch this, now y'all got to get this, this is deep. His promotion, the elevation that he had come to the place in his life where he was the second in command of all of Egypt, that God had elevated him so that he can now be a blessing to somebody else, his family. You see, God had made a promise to Abraham, and, and you, Abram, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in you. And so in order for God to preserve, watch this, his promise to Abraham, he had to have a Joseph raised up that was willing to forgive so that God's promise to Abraham could be established. Glory to God. Oh, that's so deep. And so now if Joseph could have taken an attitude, Joseph could have said, well, you know what? Um. I don't want to see your face. I'm, I'm done with you. Get away from me. And guess what would have happened? God couldn't use him. God wouldn't have been able to use Joseph. And how many, many times have you heard people say all the time, they say, well, you know, I want God to use me. How many of you have ever said that? Use me, Lord. Use me. Really? If you really want to be used by God, you got to go through it sometimes. You know what I'm talking about, brother? Because, listen to me. Joseph had to be willing to put behind him everything that was done. He had to be willing to give it up and say, Lord, I'm going to release this to you. And because he did not have a bitter and resentful spirit, God was able to use him and preserve the promise of Abraham, which have implications for you and me. Because if, if, if Joseph would have maintained that unforgiving spirit, unforgiving spirit, God can use him. I wonder how many people God want to use today, but he can't use them because they're stuck in unforgiveness. God said, God said, I'd like to use you, but I can't use you in that area because you won't let it go. You keep talking about what somebody did to you 5, 10, 15 years ago. You can't let it go. So you're in bondage. I can't use you like I want to use you. So what happens is we stay where we are. And we can't figure out, God, why aren't you using me? Is there any unforgiveness simmering in your heart? Has the Holy Spirit just spoken to you? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. 
Don't harden your hearts. Joseph, he says he released his brothers of their guilt. He said, look, I like what he says in verse 5. He says, for, he says now do not be grieved or angry with yourself. Don't, don't do that because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. You see, I'm sure that these guys were, these brothers were starting to feel some guilt about what they did to their brother. If for nothing else, because, gosh, I really hope he keep me alive. But there's something starting to fester in them. They realized what they had done. And Joseph looked at them, and he released them of their guilt. He said, don't cry. Don't worry about it. Look, look, God was in control all along. You may be saying right now that this person did this and that to me, and God is saying, look, I'm in control. Now, we just talked about this this morning, didn't we? Talk about the fact how God is in control. Sometimes we don't see, this is a thing to worry about. We don't see the, the whole picture. But something in Joseph, he realized, wait a minute. God, God was the one that did, did this. God was the one that sent me here because of this. This is why I had to go through what I had to go through. This is why I had to suffer like I did. This is why I had to experience all that trouble of being abandoned and being left alone and being uprooted. My life turned completely upside down. Now I see why I am in this place. It was because God sent me here because he had a purpose to preserve not only me, but the people that I love. If that don't inspire you to forgive, I might as well just shut the Bible and stop preaching because there's nothing going to change. If, if, that doesn't, if that doesn't shake your foundation about this issue of unforgiveness, I don't know what else will. Very quickly. Why, why should we forgive? Watch this. Very simple answer. Because Christ forgave you. The scripture says, and I'll just read it to you in Colossians 2.13, one of my favorite passages of scripture. And you've been dead in your trespasses and sins. Glory to God. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive, or in the King James Version, it says he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses. That's beautiful, right? Because what that tells me, that, that you mean to tell me that every sin that I have committed Every sin that I've done, that God has forgiven me of all of that, yes, he has. He's forgiven you for everything. And, and listen, and when we really begin to think about the kind of things that we did and the things that we still do after we get into the kingdom, it should make you excited. It should, it should provoke you to want to forgive. How can we Harbor any unforgiveness toward anybody knowing what God has forgiven us for. Our secret sins that we don't like to talk about. The private sins that, that I mean, we all put on the face here in the church, you know, because this is what we're supposed to do, right? You go to church, you're supposed to look a certain way. Make sure you got your tie on. Make sure you got the slack nice and pretty. Make sure you look good. Because you want everybody else to think that you all that in the bag of chips. All of us think that way, right? We don't want to show people. We, Sunday mornings is a place where it's like some of the best drama 
some of the best actors and actresses you ever find on the face of the earth. You find them in church on a Sunday morning. Some of us have some huge fights before we even get to the door. We're saying things to our one another and to our spouse that we shouldn't be saying. And we come into church and we say, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Eh? God forgave you all that. He still loves you anyway, knowing that you, that, that you got all those issues. Knowing that we still, we, we are fake and we're phony and, and we put on this, this, this act as believers. In reality, we are still struggling. Yet God said he wiped the whole slate clean, forgiving you of all your transgressions. Glory to all of your transgressions has been forgiven. He wiped the slate clean. The Bible says that for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Watch this. So that we can become the righteousness of God. Guess what? This is why I walk with my head up in spite of the struggles that I have. Because I am the righteousness in God because of Christ Jesus. I have been made right. When God looks at me, he says, that's my boy. He's righteous. Sanctified. Well, I don't feel sanctified. Well, it never really had much to do with you anyway, you understand? It had to do with his son. That's why he said his son, because you messed up. You can't help you. So stop trying to help you. Start relying on the power. That's another sermon. Start relying on his grace to help you. See, another reason why we should forgive, watch this, is because our desire to be forgiven, and this is deep. Now, I want you all to hear me when I say this, because this is very, very important. I want you to turn back to Matthew chapter 6. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Now I'm going to read this because I want you to get deep into your spirit because I want you to know that the next time you think about not forgiving somebody, I want you to read this passage of scripture. I want you to jot it down. Verses 14 and 15. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, now, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you of your transgression. Question, did anybody think they would fail that test? That's about as close to an open book test as you could possibly get. Right? I mean, quite simple. Lauren could ace that test. Right? If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. But if you don't forgive your brother, God says, I will not forgive you. Now, this has nothing to do with forgiveness under salvation. This has to do with our fellowship with God and our ability to be able to pray and have God hear us. Because God is saying that if you refuse to forgive, then when you come to me about what you just struggled with, I'm not listening to you. Fellowship has been broken until we come to a place where we say, Lord, I'm going to forgive brother, sister, so-and-so, so we keep this thing flowing. Why? Because he who has been shown mercy must also give mercy back, you see. So we understand that our prayers were hindered. Look at Mark chapter 11. He takes it a little bit step further. Mark chapter 11, I'll just read it. I, I, I bet I beat you there. Mark chapter 11, uh, verses 20 through 26. Now, now, now watch this. Now watch this. How am I doing on time? I've been going about 15 minutes, right? 
I've been going about 10 minutes. That's as long as I About 10 minutes. Okay, I got a couple more minutes. We're almost done. Watch this. He says, now, he's praying about the prayer of faith. And it's, it's funny. Every time I read this particular passage of Scripture, brother, every time I read this passage of Scripture, I think, where did verse number 25 come from in Matthew chapter 11? You read verses, that passage of Scripture from verse 20 down to 23. No, actually down to 24. You think, man, he's talking about the prayer of faith. Pray and believe God. Speak to your mountains. But then it's like he slipped something in there in verse number 25. But let's, let's, let's jump over. Look, look at verse 23. Watch this. Well, start at verse 22. And Jesus answered saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted to him. Oh boy, I'm going to fight. I'm ready. Glory to God. All I got to do is speak. All I got to do is believe, and it shall be granted to me. I'm ready now. I'm in a place. But then look, look what he says now. But therefore I say to you, verse 24, all things in which you pray and ask, believe. You receive them, and they will be granted you. But Look at verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. <laughs> Do y'all see that? He says, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you of your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you of your transgressions. So, it, it, so here's what he's saying. He's saying that you can pray, speak to the mountain and all that. That's all good. Pray prayer of faith. But by the way, I, I forgot to tell you something. Uh, when you stay in prayer, make sure you're forgiving. Because if if you're not forgiving people who have offended you, then don't even worry about praying this prayer. Because it's predicated upon whether or not. That's why he throws it in there. When you stand praying, forgive. That's why I say, to, you know, if you got a problem with your spouse, you know, usually if you're going to go pray, the first thing God's going to say to you is get up and go be reconciled to your spouse. Then come back and pray. Because you can't go to prayer and God and holding things against people and expect God to answer your prayer. Can't do it. So when you stand praying now, you got to forgive. Because if you don't, then I, I, I won't forgive you. Then we find ourselves not in a place of blessing. Then we find ourselves saying, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? And God says to you, well, you know what? You've been harboring this anger and this bitterness against brother and sister so-and-so. You need to get rid of that first. Then you come back and talk to me. Somebody say, ouch. That was a silent ouch. <laughs> How should we forgive? Ephesians 4.29. We're to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. So what it then is the standard of forgiving? Is it, is it really based on how brother, how brother Larry responds to me? If brother Larry treats me right, then I'll forgive Brother Larry. But if Brother Larry don't do what Brother Larry is supposed to do, I'm not going to forgive. No, 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 no. Ephesians 4.29, I believe it's 4.29 verses 29 to like 32, is it? Is it not? I don't want to butcher the scripture, so I'll just read it. 
Look what it says here. Starting in verse 29, he talks about letting all wholesome communication word proceed out of your mouth. But look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Look at verse 32. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Be what to each other? Kind. Be tenderhearted. Be kind. Be tenderhearted. Be kind. Be tenderhearted. Watch this. Forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So what's the standard of forgiveness? Okay, here's what I need to ask myself. How, did God, how does God forgive me? Or how did he forgive me? Or how does he forgive me? He, he don't hold anything against me. God is not angry at me. God, when I come, he accepts me. He deals with my wrong. He encourages me. And he inspires me to keep fighting the good fight of faith. As Christ has forgiven you, it has nothing to do with the other person. This has more to do with you. See, a person that fails to relinquish or let go of an unforgiving spirit, they fail to recognize that they're the ones who suffer most from it. Because you're not free. God can't, you, you, you're bound. And I don't know about you, but I just refuse to be bound by anything or anybody. I'm going to be free. When I see a brother or sister, I don't want to be ducking and say, oh, well, well, I, don't want to, I don't want to have these, these churning feelings. I want to be able to say, I'm free. So that when God not dials my number, I'm ready. So forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Colossians 3, 12 and 13, I'll read it. You don't have to turn there. But it says, bearing with one another, listen to this, and forgiving one another. If anyone have a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You must. You know what that scripture tells me when it says bearing with one another? You know what that tells me? That it ain't, it ain't easy sometimes. I mean, I mean, you would admit that sometimes you just get tired of people. You ever get tired of people sometimes? You're just like, oh, here we go again. It just never stops. It's, he says, we're to bear with one another. You know why? Because they ain't perfect. And then I got this revelation for you. Now, this is for free. You ain't either. <laughs> All of us struggle from time to time. Nobody's perfect. He said, we're to bear with one another. In other words, you got to put up with this stuff. You know how people say, well, I'll get sick and I'll just leave church, you know, and I don't want to deal with them people. No, what are you doing? He says, no, you're called to bear. Put up with each other. Even if you don't like me, even if my personality is not where you think it ought to be, you're called to put up with me. Somehow, way, we got to make this thing work. And he said, if anybody got a complaint, because everybody got a complaint, right? If you got a complaint against anybody, here's what he says, forgive him. Well, I got a complaint against so-and-so. Okay. Are you forgiving that person? But pastor, I got to tell you what, what so-and-so did to me. And you don't ever come to me telling me you got to tell me. The first thing I want to say to you is did you go to your brother and try to work it out? And by the way, are you mad or angry? Are you, have you, are you free and clear of any unforgiveness? Because if you're not, then you may as well stop talking to me. I can't help you. You need to get this thing right. I'll close with this. You remember, I think it was in, uh, and I just, just, you can write it down, but Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Peter, you can read the whole passage, talk about forgiveness. 
But this one, uh, Peter came to Jesus like some of us would. I like Peter because Peter was pretty practical. He said, <laughs> Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? I mean, Peter was trying to figure out a way to cap this thing. <laughs> you know, Lord, how, how often shall I forgive my brother? Like seven times? Uh, could you imagine that that brother, and, and you better believe it, if Peter would have been there counting seven times, that's one time of you, two, three, I'm done with you, six, seven, done, get out of my, I ain't got, see ya, through with you, because seven times I fulfilled my obligation. And Jesus, of course, disappointed him. He says, he says, Jesus, no, not, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, that was Jesus kind of being sarcastic, saying that your forgiveness ought to be unlimited. In Luke 17, he says, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you seven times in one day, one day. How many of you have ever had somebody sin against you seven times in one day? Well, if somebody sinned against you seven times in one day, that's some serious issues at that end. There's something else going on there. He says, but he's, if he sins against you seven times in a day and return to you seven times saying, watch this, I repent, forgive me. Jesus says, forgive him. And the, you know what the apostles' response to that was? Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> that is going to be quite difficult for me to do. Luke 17, 4 to 5, read it. You don't believe me. The apostles said, when Jesus said to them, if he come to you seven times, forgive him, forgive him. Seven times in a day, forgive him. And the apostles said, Lord, you got to help us. You got to give me some faith. That is, I, I'm telling you, Lord, that's hard for me to do. But how do you know Jesus wasn't going to relent? He wasn't going to give up on that. You know why? Because if he's able to do what he had to do, stretch his hands up on the cross and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he was still able to love us and love them in spite of us. Then how many know we ought to be able to put up with each other? And this is a perfect time to bow our heads and prepare for communion. Amen. Let's pray.